So now inflation has jumped by uh, 6% according to the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers, or by uh, 5.4% according to the Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers. According to private sector measures and, and my own estimates, inflation, when properly calculated, has jumped by a whole lot more. And Americans are figuring this out because they're seeing how the income from their labor buys less and less. But the bond market, which is supposed to be the smart money, hasn't figured this out yet. It, too, will eventually figure it out, uh, as, it, as it did last time. Uh, that was in the late 1970s, and that's going to be a little rough. I'm Wolf Richter at WolfStreet.com, where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. And you're listening to the Wolf Street Report. It's Sunday, August 15, 2021. A year ago, the bond market put the yield on the 10-year Treasury securities at around 0.6%. At the time, the, the narrative in the bond market was that interest rates would go deeply negative, as they had already done in many European countries. But then the narrative started sounding increasingly silly as inflation began rising amid red-hot spending on goods by consumers. And uh, there was talk that the Fed would eventually taper its asset purchases as the economy was growing in leaps and bounds. And and by the end of March this year, the 10-year Treasury yield had nearly tripled from 0.6% to 1.7%. By definition, when bond yields rise, bond prices fall. And in in bonds with long maturities, this uh, six-month surge in yields caused some bloodletting. This was particularly felt by holders of mutual funds that specialize in in, uh, government bonds with long maturities. However, since April, even as inflation became red-hot, the yield on 10-year Treasury securities dropped. By early August, it was at 1.15%, down nearly 60 basis points from the March high. This drop in yield amid spiking inflation crashed the real yield, meaning the yield earned uh, by investors minus uh, the rate of CPI inflation. The real yield at that point dropped to minus 4.2%. This was the worst negative real yield since June 1980 and the worst negative yield of any of the developed economies. The 10-year Treasury yield has since uh, moved up a little and on Friday closed at 1.3%, which is still ludicrously low given that overall CPI inflation is 5.4% and uh, CPI inflation for urban wage earners and clerical workers is 6.0%. So what happened in the 1970s through June 1980 that uh, caused the real yield to blow out like this, like it is today? What happened was that inflation zigzagged higher and the Fed refused to deal with it. There were hopes that inflation was temporary to the, the, the 1973 oil shock and, and would go away on its own. And, and after hitting 12%, inflation did back off in the mid-1970s, dropping to about 5%. And everyone thought that inflation would go away entirely on its own, but it didn't. It turned around and spiked again, and this time it went to 15% by 1980. All along, the 10-year yield zigzagged higher but had lagged years behind inflation. During that period, between 1973 and late 1980, bond investors got totally crushed by rising yields and therefore dropping prices and by very high inflation, which for most of the time was higher and for years a lot higher than the bond yield. 
This was the period that became foundational for the so-called bond vigilantes that emerged in uh, the 1980s. There were big bond fund managers that had gotten burned and uh, that then refused to buy government bonds unless the yields were high enough. And for the next 20 years, as inflation dropped and dropped, bond yields remained much, much higher than inflation. The 10-year yield and CPI inflation didn't meet again until 2005. But in the years when it became clear, even to the bond market, that inflation was going out of control, the 10-year yield spiked from 7% to 15%. Eventually, the bond market figured out inflation, and, and uh, then the reaction was brutal. Before Paul Volcker became Fed chairman in 1979 under President Carter, the Fed had already pushed up its short-term interest rates to 10%. Inflation continued to zigzag higher under Volcker, who jacked up the Fed's policy rate to 20%. And, and that did the job. But the Fed waited for too long to act and had dilly-dallied around for years, hoping inflation would go away on its own and, and that it was just temporary due to the one-off 1973 oil shock and then the one-off 1979 oil shock and inflation kept soaring in an inflation spiral that became ingrained in the economy. By the time the Fed finally took this seriously and, and got political backing from President Reagan, it took a long series of massive rate hikes to tame the inflation monster. And in the process, the nasty double-dip recession ensued as borrowing new debt and refinancing maturing debt had become prohibitively expensive for companies. That's what the Fed accomplished by thinking this inflation spiral was temporary and would go away on its own. But then when it was difficult to break the back of inflation, it had to stomp on it with both feet. So now we've got another supply shock, but uh, much broader than the oil shock. This includes the semiconductor shortage, which will soon complete its first year, which is hitting all kinds of products and from consumer electronics and appliances to new vehicles. And there's the container shortage, uh, shipping bottlenecks, container port congestion, rail terminal congestion, a new vehicle shortage due to the semiconductor shortage, and, and, uh, and all kinds of other shortages and constraints, including another major container port being closed in China due to uh, COVID infections. In addition, and far more importantly, we've got a demand shock due to an overstimulated economy, overstimulated by trillions of dollars in government deficit spending in every direction, and uh, by a myriad of uh, other stimulative distortions, uh, such as allowing tenants to not pay their rents, even though many received state and federal unemployment benefits that exceeded their previous incomes, and by allowing millions of homeowners to skip making mortgage payments, though many uh, of them also received uh, unemployment benefits that exceeded their, their previous incomes. And much of this money that was handed out via these benefits, and, and plus much of the money that they didn't have to spend on mortgage payments and rent, was spent on goods, thereby creating enormous and historic demand for goods. And no one was ready for this artificially stimulated demand spike. And, and this demand spike is now bouncing around and hitting services. And we still got the loosest monetary policies and biggest monetary stimulus since World War II. This monetary policy by the Fed includes interest rate suppression to near zero for short-term interest rates and asset purchases to the tune of $120 billion a month to repress long-term interest rates. 
But the Fed is buying a lot more than $120 billion a month. It is adding $120 billion a month to its pile of securities, but it is also buying a lot of securities to replace its maturing securities. So, for example, in, in terms of mortgage-backed securities, the Fed is adding about $40 billion a month to its pile. But it is also buying mortgage-backed securities to replace the pass-through principal payments that it receives when underlying mortgages are paid off, which happens when houses are sold or when mortgages are refinanced. And there has been a flood of these mortgage payoffs and refinancings. To deal with this, the Fed buys over $100 billion in mortgage-backed securities a month. Since March 2020, the Fed has added $1 trillion in mortgage-backed securities to its pile. And, and to do this, it ended up buying over $2 trillion in mortgage-backed securities. The mortgage-backed securities market isn't that big, and the Fed already owns a large portion of it. This is a huge interference in this market. And the Fed also bought more Treasury inflation-protected securities, or, or TIPS, since March 2020 than the government has issued during that time. Any signals this market might send isn't a reflection of inflation, but, uh, of the, but it's a reflection of the Fed's purchases of TIPS. And the Fed has bought $3 trillion in, in Treasury securities since March 2020. So this massive interference is still going on despite the overstimulated economy and despite the highest negative real yields for the 10-year Treasury securities in 40 years. This is just mind-boggling. So the Fed is such a big player in that market that the market is paying attention to the market's interpretation of what the Fed might do and of what the market wants the Fed to do. And it's not a reflection of inflation or economic dynamics. So all the inflation signals that this manipulated bond market is sending are wrong. The bond market is no longer telling us anything about inflation. It's just telling us what it thinks the Fed might do or what it wants the Fed to do. And the bond market wants the Fed to lower interest rates into the negative and, and buy even more securities because that's how the speculators with highly leveraged positions will make big gains when they sell the positions to the next one in line. But the Fed is getting serious about stepping away from the bond market. Fed governors have been speaking in near unison that they will taper the asset purchases and, and it's now just a question of when it starts, which is likely in a few months, and how fast it will go, which is likely a lot faster than the last time, which, uh, which stretched out for, for a year. Tapering asset purchases is the first step. It means the Fed brings its balance sheet expansion to a halt. And uh, after the taper, the Fed will raise interest rates. Among Fed governors, there's also broad consensus on that. And, and it's just a question of when this will start and, and how fast it will go. And uh, somewhere along the line, the bond market has to grapple with the reality that, that this surge in inflation wasn't a one-off thing, but, but that inflation continues and while sometimes backing off to, to, to provide fodder for a false sense of confidence, only to, to surge again, as inflation normally does. It's, it's not linear. And at some point, even in the current out of whack bond market, these realities are going to sink in. And then the bond market gets to grapple with inflation for real. And uh, as in the 1970s, it will find itself way behind the curve. And in order to catch up with the Fed no longer buying bonds, yields are going to chase after inflation on their own. 
I'm Wolf Richter at WolfStreet.com, where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. Thank you for listening to the Wall Street Report.